0: all right ladies we are back season four black women voices podcast and today's conversation is an important one especially because we are upon conference season in higher education and so let's have this conversation around what is professional development post-covid for us Uh, because not everyone can get to conferences and i want to talk a little bit about that and what that means but um we back ladies, episode six,
1: here we are. This is Dr. K checking in from Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, this is Dr. Anne <laughs> from South, Illinois. Yeah, I, I, I'm, com- I'm more comfortable, it's, it's, it's Dr. Doctor- I like to say Dr.
2: A and me, cause I really like that. I like my whole mm-hmm. Yeah, what I you like mean. it, yeah. I like it. And this is Dr. Valerie or Dr. B from Wichita.
0: Yes, yes. It's I'm excited about
2: me. this conversation
1: though. Yeah it's still,
0: it's how man, many It mean. still amazes me that we are all in different uh, States And uh, still coming together To give uh, Our thoughts around being black Being a woman And being in higher ed yeah,
2: right. I mean and I also think about The first time that we all Saw each other was actually at a conference Oh come mm-hmm. on yeah. Okay. Oh we was remember? at a conference. <laughs> we did. We did. We connected. We all wore African print uh, uh skirts. But well,
1: <laughs> up, let me say this. I would be remiss if I didn't say Happy mm-hmm. Black hair we, we do a heritage. We don't say history necessarily. Happy Black Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. Because history yeah, really, be I can married. say is that we have done her- things in the past. Uh, Happy heritage. Black, oh, I like it.
0: Happy Black her story.
1: Come on! Oh, I'll take <laughs>
2: that too. Let's yes. make it intersectional. Yeah. <laughs> hmm I love
0: it. Yeah. So professional development post COVID. Now, okay.
1: So let's define post COVID. Are we saying after COVID has come to town?
0: So we'll oh. say professional development since fall
1: twenty
0: twenty. Fall. Yeah, because COVID. COVID
1: well, no, we went to ACPA right before COVID yeah. last time, didn't we? That was March yeah. 2020. Yes, was. And
0: then that's when everything started to shut down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So March is full of conferences, especially ACPA and NASPA. And, you know, I serve as the chair for assessment and evaluation, the commission for assessment and evaluation for ACPA. And part of that, is putting together our assessment institute which will be in june now you know i've seen i've been to one conference um which what was it saska it was in person all in person and it was pretty decent for the most part because it had like less than 200 people there but when we're thinking what i didn't think about is that there are some states that have travel bans so we have some colleagues in states that can't go to conferences because their institution, their state is saying no, we're not approving that. Um, and then some of them, I know for example, California, they can't go to certain states um, if I'm not mistaken. And so what and so for me, there's an equity and access issue when it comes to professional development and that, especially if you if we're having conferences and they're all in person. So no hybrid uh,
1: there's no hybrid options for some of these conferences. So are we not? Right. Okay. So, oh wow. No. So what about the big ones? I and I guess and I think we need to maybe go back and define because I like you. You mentioned the Assessment Institute, which mm-hmm. is I don't know how how people really define what a conference is. So then there's like NASPA National, there's ACPA right. National, and then they have these you know other conferences. How how do you parse them out
0: well yeah and and i always talk about the difference between conference workshops uh retreats institutes they all have a different feel so the institutes are more you're looking at probably 200 or less people attending so 150 to 200 attending conferences uh, especially the national ones that we have You're looking at more people attending um and an institute is focused on one area for the most part, like the assessment institute is focused just on assessment. So all of your workshops will be around assessment. Um, but even thinking about planning an, an institute conference, etc., cetera, um, just do we have hybrid options, right? Do we provide those? Is it necessary that we do given like once, us, once again, some of our um, colleagues aren't able to leave their states for travel or their travel won't be approved um to leave, and so what does that look like?
2: yeah, and I know for me, I'm on um several conference committees. I'm on a current conference committee and our conference it's um like a Kansas higher education conference, and it's in person, but we're going to have a virtual option for folks who are not comfortable because right. it's also that because you know whether people are immunocompromised or they're just not comfortable being in of space full of people because you can't really it's hard to social distance when you have a conference i mean yeah. you know you're going to a session but you know are people going to really se- parse out rows and all of that there's so many things that go into it um but even when you think about planning um and being on these committees you have to think about okay well what happens if there is an outbreak you know and having to have the background the the backup of transitioning everything online and you need to have a platform that'll be able to handle that and one zoom link can't <laughs> handle you know that not not to mention you know do you require COVID test upon arrival do you require a negative COVID test do you require proof of vaccination um, and just because someone gives you a negative COVID test it doesn't mean that they can't go somewhere and get exposed to COVID so therefore is it really something that is an indicator of covid at all.
1: But I also think yeah. about our colleagues who, you know, there there are, they are people and that that decide, you know, not to be vaccinated and that's okay. And then going to states though that require vaccinations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live Mm -hmm. in Illinois. Cook County has, you can't go into restaurants and eat at this particular moment. That may change, but right now you have to show proof of vaccination to go in restaurants. Well, how do we have a conference where people could potentially come and and yes, they can get into the conference, but they can't eat. So does that mean that the conference then needs to be, so there's all of these questions Mm -hmm. that come up with, with planning conferences and, and conventions, and I think for the new professional or even like, I i wouldn't consider myself a new professional, but it's overwhelming to think about, should I be even submitting, you know, should I submit to try to be, you know, pro- to do a proposal for these conferences, knowing full well, you know, I may or may not be able to attend. Um, yeah. And I think that that is a challenge. And I, and I think that... Um, And I don't know how much I want to say responsibility or how much do national organizations have to to end that conversation? Like how much responsibility do they have to to figure those logistics out or just say, you know what, we're going to keep everything virtual until we can do this and do it safely. While also knowing that, you know, people want to travel now. They want to go places and meet with colleagues, and we're okay with doing it with the mask.
0: Like, AERA um, got accepted uh, to present there, but they require, you have to uh, show proof of your vaccination, Um, and that's in California, right? And so, like I said, California is one of them states where there's some travel bans. You can't go to certain states and et cetera, um, which makes sense for them, you know, that they're requiring this. But then I'm like, okay, so I, so what I think about is when we submitted, I don't remember that conversation coming up. So you're just submitting, not thinking that you have to do that. And I'm thinking, you know, what if my booster, if I'm vaccinated, but my I still have my booster is not until after the conference. So I can't go, right? But I didn't know that prior to presenting. So also the question of, When do you say vaccination is required? And it may have been required. And I just didn't see that as part of um, the call for programs.
2: Well, and I think it's interesting, right? Because I also got an AERA, but also, you know, in in many times if you have a research team, because I think the interesting thing with AERA, it was like the person who was the, the, the lead had to decide if you were going to be all in person or all not. And I know yeah, I like one of my t- research team members is like, yeah, I'm not, not really about that life, you know? And so it's like, you're making the decision for everyone um, and everyone may not be able to do that. And then the cost of it alone. I mean, you can say you're not comfortable going in person and still pay quite a bit of money to do the virtual option. Um, yes. Because at the end that of the day, good. conferences still have to make their money uh, because they're losing, I mean, you know, we, you know, if you're kind of doing that in all some of these committees, they have to pay a certain amount for these blocking of rooms. And in losing mm-hmm. some of that, they're trying to recoup that cost. There's just so many things that go into it. And this is just assuming, because we also, another part of the conversation is is not everybody still has conference money or professional development monies, because a lot of it right. has been slashed because of COVID, And because of kind of how that's impacted kind of their institutional economy.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point in terms of being on uh, these committees. And for me, planning the NASPA Region 3 Summer Symposium and just having this conversation about budget and looking at the hotel contract and the fact that, you know, we had to reduce some rooms and then looking at we have. Have to meet a certain number of reservations for the hotel at a certain date, or else X, Y, and Z would happen. And I'm just like, oh gosh, this is a lot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, oh, this is a lot. And then it's the question of, do you want it to be hybrid? And I'm like, well, with hybrid, like you said earlier, that brings in additional, you know, resources that we need that costs money, <laughs> which mm-hmm. means then the registration costs may go up. So I'm thinking about all these things. I'm just like, oh, what did I sign myself up for? <laughs>
2: It's a lot.
0: Yeah, it is. But
1: I think the other thing to think about is that, you know, our institution is supporting you to be at conferences, right? So, yeah. I, you know, I wish budgets were, I think that's the one thing that happened during COVID is that a lot of people, because of the reduced prices of conferences, people a lot of people were able to swing it even if the university said we're not going to cover it they were able to pay out of pocket because as opposed to like four or five hundred dollars maybe it was 150 dollars right and i i I, I, honestly the equity in terms of these conferences is another thing because so expensive and making the assumptions that institutions are supporting professionals is is um not a good thing but i think the other thing especially when we talk about professionals of color right mm-hmm. I, it, once upon a time i know my institution was sending like all a lot of different people be going to all kinds of conferences well that money is not flowing free like that anymore so so thinking reimagining professional development especially conferences um is important but i also think that conferences give you exposure
0: yeah. I mean, and as a faculty
1: was, member, as a stat, as, as well, as, as an administrator.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I was going to say, you know, with looking at professional development post-COVID and, you know, conferences, et cetera, deciding whether they're going to be in person or, or not, our profession works a lot around networking. And conferences is where most of us network, right? And we meet people. And if we don't have that space to do it, or where do we find that space now, right? And so even, you know, with the webinars that I've seen, you know, some of the, like ACPA to go, you you see those, so you get the opportunity to present and people can see that as professional development. But how do I network in that space, (laughs) How do I network in a webinar space?
2: Uh, Because we're going to see more and
0: more of those.
2: That's right. Yeah. I mean, and I think whether that is kind of being intentional in terms of creating those opportunities, you know, whether that is, okay, if you're having a live webinar, you can kind of do a little bit of that, but there's nothing like getting a chance to meet somebody face-to-face and be able to say, hey, here's that, my interest, let me try to connect maybe doing some research or doing a presentation or something together i mean you think about we all met via a webinar so it's possible but there's something to be said about getting a chance to meet but i also think about i think at the very beginning of the pandemic i appreciated i remember acpa was trying really hard to do um, the connection piece and recognizing that you know At that point, a lot of budgets were completely taken away. It was like, okay, so here's COVID. We don't know what's going to happen. No traveling, right? And so I I really appreciated ACPA being um, inclusive to think about, okay, so what does a professional development opportunity really look like? Because they were trying to think outside of the box to say, okay, that's, that's how I feel like, you know, ACPA to go and those webinars kind of really happened for folks and and really lowering the price. I mean, thinking of, you know, if you even go to the website, those are some bomb, you know, some bomb workshops and we're on one of, you know, one of them, but some of those, you know, I'm like, it should cost more than $10, but they were trying to make it equitable, which I right. think is really, really powerful. And, and of course there's other ones like student affairs. I think now, um, st- yeah, I think it's student affairs now that has all kinds of webinars. You can go and look on YouTube and all of those things. And those are great, but it's kind of like, how do you, if, if all that people have are those webinars, how do you kind of make sure that there's this networking opportunity? Um, yeah. cause, all, cause the other pieces, people are zoomed out too. I mean, Ooh, some of us yeah. are working from home. Some of us are teaching from home. Some of us are homing from home. And so how do you <laughs> then have a conference that you can, that there's no, there's no difference from what you're doing in your day life. I mean, the beautiful thing about conferences is that it gives you the opportunity to, to like get away, but you're not getting away. Mm-hmm. You're still in your same spot.
0: Yeah. So, you know, kind of tied to higher ed, not, kind of not really. I, um, so, you know, being a member of Zeta and serving as our North Carolina Leadership and Development Coordinator, I was part of the planning committee for our state leadership conference, which, of course, is normally in person. And this time, it was all virtual. And, and to sit through a conference over multiple days, It was eye-opening that, oh my gosh, I I, kind of missed seeing some of y'all folks in person. It was very different. And then also, you know, the other concept that I don't know if we think about as much is if it's virtual, does that mean that I take off from work or stay at work and just tune in when I can? (laughs)
1: well well (laughs) because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest when I found out that my sorority was having a conference in person I was like yes please I I how can I get down you know but with a virtual option right so there were some things that I couldn't make it physically in person and I would just watch on a virtual platform and I think that I think that one thing that is for certain is that organizations um, who don't embrace a hybrid model of, perf- of conferencing at this point are missing out on a whole group of people, right? Because maybe they have to go virtual this year, but maybe next year they can go in person, right? And they just get a feel for what it is. Some people need a trial. Listen, the first year I went I, to one of the conferences, I won't say it cost me almost $1,000 out of pocket. It's expensive between registration, hotel, and transportation. It costs a lot of money, right? what if i'm able to do a both and because we know there's some people that are going to want to go in in person it does mean that we can't have like these huge receptions and and all of these things that now we are seeing really were they necessary in the first place they're okay they're good some of it's good don't get me wrong waste the money some bit, of them yep but but, but is it equitable are we talking about equity, or are we talking about just having constantly having a good time? Because which is it? Yeah. Let's
0: well, say I, I
2: I think it's a both and because I don't know. I remember going to one of the because I had never gone to this whole reception piece and going to the receptions at uh at a uh, ash was beautiful. I was like, oh, how these what how, y'all y'all giving away y'all having pancake? Not oh, I can't think of what institution. It was like, they had a jazz situation. There was like three different cook. No, it was like four different cooking stations. I mean, it was beautiful. I don't know if we'll ever kind of get back to that type of reception piece. I mean, I hope, but you know, you just never know. I think that's why the conferencing piece. And again, that's not the only way we can think about professional development, but it's also, there's just something that comes from that. Whether that's, you know, we get, the piece to network, but also just the idea that you're gaining new knowledge. I mean, we can always read a book. We can always read an article, but there's also the knowledge piece that comes from being able to sit and hear and hear from someone who, you know, Hey, I'm trying this on my campus. So this is this new, this new method of student engagement. Have you all thought about that? You know, which is also really invaluable.
0: And what comes to mind is how do we recreate that experience that, you know, when we're in person and you go to the session and it's so dope and you stick around to talk to the presenter, how do we recreate that kind of space and a virtual atmosphere?
1: I think that you can you can have lounges if you because, you know, the, the presentations that's about to be popping like right. they know right? Don't try to play us. They know, right? And so if you know that, create the opportunity virtually to say, hey, we know you enjoyed this time with this speaker. Why don't you all, you all can head over to this lounge and grab a virtual seat and sit and have a conversation. That's awkward, right? So I I understand that these things can be, you know, not easily done, but I think that in the long run, you have people People will have access, you know, in a way where they can have conversations, you know, you know, maybe offline or in in a different area. I personally would like to go to another conference. I am, (laughs) you know, but it's because also for as much as, I mean, I guess as much as I am giving some of the other side, I do think conferences provide a, 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 a very good getaway right from Mm -hmm. a mundane or what could be a very challenging time which is why i didn't mind sacrificing and paying for it because i needed to be refreshed and it added and i could learn a lot and bring some things back you know i think that in those ways they were very very good and they still are um But how do I, I guess the question is, is what are some other ways of professional development? So we talked about going to conferences, ACPA on the go. Um, There are other opportunities, if you all know of others. One thing that I went to is the Women's Leadership Institute one year. And they even, like, the Women's Leadership Institute is like a, I think it was like a, it's Oh, it's a few organizations put together and they do like this bomb conference, like it's either in California or in Florida. I think they kind of rotate between the two. And it's not cheap, but they offer scholarships that you can apply for, for, well, they, you know, before. And I went to the one in California and it was nice, man. Now, look, the diversity aliens <laughs> need a little work. But what happens when Black women get in the room and you give them that look and you and it's like a triangulation look and then afterwards, <laughs> I found my people and we kicked it the entire rest of the time and, and really got down to some some, we had some very good conversations and we heard some pretty dope speakers. And so I think that there are, institutes, symposiums, things like that, that are more, um, like a punch of professional development versus yeah. like, a um, a, a buffet, if you will, <laughs> a buffet,
2: <laughs> you know,
1: but then I think you have smaller, more intimate gatherings, like maybe the assessment, uh, a conference on assessment, or even like, you know, I think there's a of first generation students, um, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I even go so far as to say, outside of your your the bigger field, your functional area. So, like, I was in career development. So we had NCDA. There is the Association of Black Cultural Centers, which I participate in now. On a on, and it's a smaller, more uh, boutique, if you will, experience. Hmm. So and yeah.
0: what you're saying made me think about. Now that we are doctors and being doctors, because we had, we did a research on a particular topic. Do you find that when you're seeking professional development that you're more prone to go into those institutes that's focused on a particular um, area than the uh, buffet style <laughs> conferences that you're talking about? Cause I personally, though I'm going to ACPA though I am on, you know, leadership, you know, teams for NASPA and ACPA, I'm finding myself more of, I don't really want to go to them as much as an assessment conference, or um, Mm. a conference that's focused on first-gen students, because that's part of my research. Have you all found, so how has becoming a doctor changed your professional development, I
2: guess is my Mm. question. That's a really good question um I you know I have my best friend gave me some really good advice and she was like have the conferences that you know you have to go to professionally but also identify conferences that are going to feed like your soul like identifying conferences that are going to be like nurturing in a very different way it doesn't even have to be in your area but like um that do something for you right so for me I got an opportunity to go. I had never gone to the conference that, you know, Ann told us about. I think it was like the Black, was that the Black Studies Conference? Was that one that, where, where was that South Carolina? Oh, the, associa-
1: the, uh, the ASALA, the Association for the Study of
2: Life and History of African-Americans.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: I loved it. I loved it. Never had gone. I was just like, I just felt like so like refreshed, not only just going, but just being there with folks of who look like me, you know, and, and just, and having a conference centered on blackness was just really powerful. Um, that's not to say that these other conferences can't do that, but there was something specific about that conference and what they did and what I got from that. And I remember like calling my best friend. I was like, this is the bomb. And she's like, that may need to be your soul giving place. Right. And there could be, you know, the profession, you know, the other conferences that you have to do your research or whatever. And, you know, like go to, but also go to another one that just like speaks to another part of you um, is really kind of useful,
1: yeah I agree I, I would agree. um Asala was the bomb I was like it's like a black history conference that's the best yeah. way I can describe yeah. it it's like yeah. it, was, it just it just gave me it gave me energy and and so I have heard that like go to try to do a conference that you know I, I think that I think people and I and maybe this is a good question well hey let me answer your question Dr. K in terms of Um, professional development postdoctor I don't know yet Mm -hmm. to be honest because I and I think that it's hard for different people because different disciplines in higher education I mean within so you got the academic those that are going to be faculty they go to different conferences they don't necessarily they may not be you know as someone and I think I had a hard time deciding if and I put that in quotes y'all can see that what's happening and but deciding <laughs> between ACPA and NASPA and and I think mm-hmm. figuring out yeah. where I fit you know and how you know and yeah um because those to me are the major ones for higher education ASH is certainly one and then the one that I have not gone to but man I want to go is is um what is the diversity conference? At, oh, Encore. Yeah. Oh, it was the yeah. bomb. Yeah,
0: I've never been to,
2: yeah. to one of those. Matter of fact, I'm about
1: to look it up right now. Hold on.
2: <laughs> yeah. Encore is the bomb, but it's so expensive. I mean, it's bananas. I remember as a student, I was like, How how am I gonna afford that? I mean, and that's another piece, you know. Now Encore does have a student scholarship. You know, of course, it's highly competitive um like they do have ways but you know I don't know that that that's an amazing conference but that's not one that I can afford
0: and you know the 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 question of at you know ACPA NASPA I'm a member of both of course I've, I've been a member of ACPA the longest and now sitting here thinking about it I'm still going to have membership in both but the Field is very different, right? And so, working at the HBCU, NASPA works a little bit better because of the position that I've had in Region Three as the HBCU Division Chair, and being able to host, you know, over the course of uh, three semesters, webinar series for them. Versus ACPA, I don't know something about ACPA just reminds me of when I got into the profession, and that's all. <laughs> and then it just <laughs> that way um even though you know being in the assessment evaluation commission but since you know becoming a doctor and you know it's all about the the company you keep and my company they like to write <laughs> or they want to get published and i'm okay with that um cuz it's putting me out of my comfort zone so that takes us to a different level in terms of types of conferences So Mm -hmm. like ASH, AERA, like those are really conferences that are focused on people that are publishing and writing. And it's a different feel. So when we went to ASH in, um, what was it, Oregon? Oh, it just felt, it was not ACPA. It was not (laughs) NASA. It was a whole different feeling. Like you're not, it's just different. And I liked it. And it was Mm -hmm. smaller too. And I think I liked that a lot better um because right now post dot you know publishing writing teaching I really want to just educate folks Mm -hmm. so I really though I'll so my concept now is for ACP and NASPA I'm not submitting programs the only way that I'll submit a program is if someone comes and say hey we're submitting this and we would love for you to be on board cool just mm-hmm. put my name down I'm not doing that extra stuff as opposed to conferences like ash you're focusing on stuff that I wrote about and so that's yeah. a different feeling rather than coming up with a program based off of something I wrote about to talk about Than to have a discussion about an article that I wrote that's similar to Dr. V's article and we can you know see the connection to it I like that more and yeah. I, and I Yeah, that's tied to what I'm doing in terms of teaching and wanting to educate and being a a consultant as well.
2: Well, And the other piece too, is that like, to your point, it absolutely felt different, you know, because I think one year, I think I had gone to ACPA and then versus, you know, feeling it at ASH. And I was like, oh, it is, it feels, it feels grown up. And, and, and ASH was a (laughs) space. it did, it felt really grown up. I mean, but, but the great thing about it is it wasn't too big where you feel lost, like right. sometimes these conferences are so massive where it's so easy to just kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I mm-hmm. felt like Ash was small enough to where it wasn't everybody and their mama there, but you could still build relationship, relationships. Right. You could still build community. Like, you know, I have some really good like friends now that I've kind of built um, and, you know, really great connections. I have a really great girlfriend who was just like, oh, you don't know anybody? Nobody helped socialize? Cause that's another piece too, that, you know, the doctoral programs that you come from they either can socialize you well in terms of these conferences and understanding here's what you go for for this here's what you do for this or they cannot and unfortunately I mean I came from a program that didn't do a great job in terms of socialization and so a lot of this you know on the faculty side of the house you either have to know or have somebody who can help usher you in to say okay so here's how the, how you do this, or here's who you meet, or, you know, it's just an interesting thing, and I think for me, I really want to kind of trade off, if one year, like this year, I'm going to NASPA, next year, I think I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna go to ACPA, because I enjoy, to your point, I also enjoy ACPA, but I've only submitted—I've never submitted a paper session to ACPA. I've only submitted a program. So next year, since it's going to be in—I um, think it's New Orleans—my <laughs> goal <laughs> is to submit. I think
0: we are in New Orleans. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh-huh. ACPA is in New Orleans, and so my goal is to submit. Uh, you know, part of my dissertation, I think, for for that. But Ash, this year, this coming up year, because Ash proposals are open. It's going to be in Vegas.
0: So, oh, yeah, we in there. <laughs> I don't know what I'm in there with.
2: Yeah, already man. got it. I I'm, gonna, I'm working on a now.
1: good topic, though, right? Can, can y'all talk about, you know, thinking about locations of conferences when choosing yes. about where to submit? Because I think that people feel obligated to, some people are like, well, I got to because this is my field or whatever the case may be. But y'all are like, let me see where they're going to be this year. <laughs> like, for example,
0: NASPA is in Baltimore I live in North Carolina it's an easy quick five-hour drive I've been to Baltimore before <laughs> and one I'm not presenting at NASPA if I go to NASPA I do have some business meetings that I'm supposed to attend but it's in Baltimore and it doesn't excite me so I don't think I'm going as opposed to ACPA in St. Louis I've never been there <laughs> so I'm going and I'm presenting, which also adds to it. But location does matter. Um, cause going back to what you said earlier in terms of this is a vacation for some of us. We don't get to, you know, depending on your job and your vacation time, you don't get to use it as much as you want to or when you want to. And so the location of these places matter. I remember going to a summer symposium for NASPA in New Orleans, and it was amazing. Though it was a conference, you know, symposium, and I was in um, embodied in that, but it was New Orleans, so I got to experience New Orleans. Um, and I, we, the conference was right at the cusp of Pride Week, I think, and so you had all of that, and the hotel was literally right on Bourbon Street. So yeah. So talk about waking up or trying to go to sleep to the jazz band people outside. It was beautiful, right? Um so location does matter.
1: I think that what and what you said right. makes a makes sense, right? When we think about the larger conferences, they have to be in these large areas which is no problem and maybe there's times we want that but sometimes when you go to those more the smaller conferences you're at smaller more boutique where you get prime location like and and I honestly think that that adds to our self-care right because conferences can be self-care symposiums even if you have to present still self-care because you are you know having having those uh, types of conversations so so yeah, so I just want to recap a couple of things because I wrote, I took notes. Come on, new doctor, take no- new doctor, take notes. <laughs> so I heard AERA and ASH are places for people who like to write and and are presenting to other people who are writing and publishing. Mm-hmm. I heard NASPA, ACPA, um, are they do have research components. While they do have research components, a lot of it is programs. Um, it it are uh, the sessions are are based on programs that are based on something that maybe you wrote or something that has been implemented, um or you want to implement at your institution. Did I get that yeah. right? And
0: mm-hmm. it's a different feel. So with Ash, I've experienced you know, um the whole discussant type of atmosphere as an audience member at ACPA, I was the discussant. So I was the one that was asking the questions in which I had to read the articles beforehand. And when we came to ACPA, I had to develop the questions to ask them to engage. That was different compared to what I saw it in Ash. And, and I think it's the level of research or articles that are submitted. And then the audience the feel is just different, right? At ACPA, I think in that one, it was around DEI efforts, more so around LGBTQ. And it was two individuals, two articles, of course, and the audience probably had about 10, 12 people, but it had more of a program-based feel rather Mm. than research per se, as opposed to ASH. Those articles were really research-focused. Um, so it was a different feel um, I found even in, in that space. Uh, but also, <laughs> now that I think about it, when you go to places like ASH and AER, those authors are the people that we are utilizing in our program proposals for ACPA and NASPA. That's so crazy.
2: <laughs> you know what, how, that's, you know, now that I think about it as you, as you talked about it, and I was like, wait, actually, I have presented a paper session at ACPA, mm-hmm. and it So it is different because the audience, you know, like you're not to say that you can't have researchers there because arguably you can, but it was a the questions that were asked from the audience were ones that were ones that made you think about the future research that you're going to do with it. When I went to ACPA, it was more of how can I take what you're doing to implement it for a program Right. Or a policy something that we're actually doing on campus, kind of like the boots on the ground. Like, you know, when we when when we're dissertating, the question is is okay, well, how do you connect this to praxis? It yes. was very much this practice conversation. Um, I will say to your point, the discussant felt the way in which I functioned as a discussant was different for NASPA mm-hmm. versus what it was, you know, for Ash. Like I wanted to give kind of more substantive feedback in terms of how do you kind of improve, you know, this area, if you say you're going to do, I think one of the things I was like, okay, you say you're going to do a phenomenology, but I'm not really seeing what exactly makes this study a phenomenology versus what's making this a general qualitative inquiry, right? And so I think even the ways that you talk about research and serve as a discussant, because we have, we probably haven't said there's different roles. And so like, say, for instance, you're like, I don't know that I feel comfortable submitting a paper, but maybe I can be um, review the proposals. So that's a really great way to see what type of, you know, proposals are going to be, you know, offered. I mean, I think that was, that was a way that I saw what was accepted at NASPA, what was accepted at NASPA or at ACPA, and also what was accepted to ASH, because I could guard, okay, okay, so this is what a good proposal looks like, Here's what I'm working on to really kind of compare that because as you're doing it, you don't want to write something and it really fits more of one of the other conferences than what you're submitting. Because even when you're writing things for publication, you have to write for the publication.
0: Yep. Yep. And even, you know, you said something in terms of being a discussant. It looks different when you have a doctorate degree and you went through this whole process of understanding, you know, different method- uh, methodologies, versus someone who has it. So your questions are going to be different. So you're going to mm-hmm. spit mm-hmm. up, uh, "This doesn't sound like uh, mm-hmm. a narrative inquiry." You're like what <laughs> mm-hmm. type of thing? So that also plays a difference. But to your point, especially those that are listening, that are. are new professionals and one way of professional development is to become a program reviewer for these conferences Mm -hmm. so that you can see what people are submitting and you can see the nature of how a program is really quote-unquote graded to be accepted
2: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's an excellent way
1: can I, and let me just add in something else that I, okay, so we are talking about, okay, y'all, thank you all for tuning in to us nerding out about, um, research and things of that nature, <laughs> but yeah, yes. there was a conference that I saw, and it is a conference on qualitative inquiry, and, and I was like, I want to go to that conference. What, I'm is not, that ICQI? Yes, at um, University of Illinois, Champ, Champ Urbana-Champaign.
2: It was amazing. Okay. Doing it. It It was amazing.
1: It was good. Okay. So I'm really thinking that I want to look into that because it's so close to me that I can kind of get there. The other thing that I want to bring out is that there are even more, I guess I would say boutique conferences. I went to the international self-determination theory conference. In Holland, or right outside of Amsterdam, um, I think I what was that? It was a couple years ago. I feel <laughs> like I went.
0: Yes, I remember you going. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. and I, I, was, went, jelly. I, I was,
1: was jelly. I was jelly. I went Amsterdam. I, am I went well, Amsterdam. That was the theory that I would that I used in my dissertation. That was one of the theories that I used in my dissertation, and my. um Faculty, my chair, he was like, Hey, you want to present, think about submitting to this conference? So I said to say, Ask the people who are in your network, you know, because they may know of some other conferences that you may, I would have never thought about a whole conference about one theory, one theory. And it was yeah. like a lot of people there and they were from all over the world. And so um, I think that it's important also to help ground yourself, because if you're thinking as I was talking to my faculty, my chair and some other faculty members, the one thing that they were saying is that, listen, when you go up for full faculty, when you're going up for tenure process and you need people in your community of practice to write those letters, some of these conferences are where you meet those people and form those relationships yeah that's true yeah okay y'all. Right. I feel like we have talked about a lot um
0: we have and I don't <laughs> want to belabor we kinda, the hour uh, went on tangents. we went on tangents too
1: <laughs> we did but I think there were good tangents I feel like there were some good things that could help I gave my couple takeaways um in terms of what I heard if, if maybe we can just go through and like y'all give a couple things that you just kind of like want the audience to hone in on these few things one thing we didn't talk about and maybe that's a whole other episode is how to pay for these conferences um when Woo. your institution um does not have the funds or is not as free with their monies um yeah or even how to even negotiate these Attendance at a conference into an initial contract when you are entering. If you know they're going to pay you lower, if you know you're not getting paid a lot of money, then maybe you need to negotiate a conference or five. Thank you for coming to this tip.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so one thing I always tell people don't wait for your employer to invest in you, invest in yourself. So even if that means creating a whole savings account just for your own professional development. Um, start doing that um, because there may come a time where you have to pay out of pocket. The other piece is being able to negotiate, you know, kind of what you said. um, And, but also, you know, if we're going to the same conference, could we split on a room, you know, those things cut costs as well. So thinking outside the box in terms of cutting costs, if your employer doesn't give you don't have the funds to give you or just not giving you the funds to go And you don't have to always go to the expense of things. That's the other part. Um, We have enough, I know, from a Black woman perspective, we have enough Black women that are expert in different areas that we could create our own, you know, conference or webinar series uh, for the low, right? We have enough to do that. You know, a lot of us, especially those that have, you know, become doctors or found their niche, have turned that into some type of consultant work. Um, And if we just, you know, get three or four together and say, hey, would you mind putting a webinar and put, you know, a price on it, maybe $50, that's a form of professional development. Because at the end of the day, guess what? Those people are going to be the people you're going to go see at the conference anyway. Hello? (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, But the the last thing that I would say in terms of just kind of wrapping up some key thoughts for me outside of that is we got to think outside the box in terms of professional development and you have to define it for yourself. What is professional development for you? What do you want it to look like? And then see what's out there. And um, don't feel like you have to be confined to the the conferences that everyone seems to go to, i.e. NASPA and ACPA, there are a lot of different conferences, as we've mentioned already, that we don't know about until we talk to someone. And so part of uh, professional development is just networking. And even if, you know, going to uh, institutional websites, seeing someone that you've seen at a conference or someone that you know does X, Y, and Z, and find time to do an email to them, say, hey, do you mind doing a Zoom? And that's also networking, Piece that you may not get if you're not going in person to conferences. But thinking outside the box, uh, that's where we are now, disrupting the narrative that has been there about professional development and reimagining it for ourselves.
2: Um, I think it also is important to think about kind of future, you know, what is it that you want to do, whether that is professionally, if you want to kind of go into another area of higher ed, if you're wanting to kind of be a dean of students, like that was like my dream, like for, I would say that every five minutes or, you know, if you're wanting to go kind of in the faculty route, just kind of have the goal so that as you think about these these conferences, you're intentional about kind of your involvement within them. If that means, you know, if you want to become a better writer, ACPA actually right now has um, uh, kind of like a writing workshop to kind of help um, tune those, those skills of becoming a writer, um, in terms of research. Um, so that's a really great place if you identify as a woman. That actually, I think, I think that kind of narrowly is for, for that. But also, if you're wanting to kind of get professional development and kind of be nurtured in a way, I know ACPA as well as NASPA, um, have really great mentorship where you can be paired with someone in the field. Um, I know that uh, NASPA has one for faculty as well, um, but then they also have ones that are gender specific just to kind of continue to grow you um, um, as a person. Like I know I was my first five years in the field there was no professional development funds and so as I don't want you to kind of hear us talk about it and just feel like, oh crap, you know, there's no money for me to go if you're in that boat. But I think that's a really great point that Dr. K made of just saying, invest in yourself. You know, don't expect for these institutions to pay because oftentimes they can't or they don't, or don't even see the value. I mean, I, you know, have been at a space that they were just like, we got you. So you don't, we don't, there's no money for that, right? And so whether that is $10 of if you get paid every two weeks, put away that $10, you know, something to where you can set that goal of, if my goal is to go to, you know, New Orleans in a year, then I'm going to save up to be able to go there and to enjoy myself while I'm there. And I think one of the things we also didn't say is also spread your time out. Like don't spend all of your time at the conference, like also enjoy the space, like I think we went to Portland for Ash. I think it was like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And I wish, and, and they actually have really great gluten-free options and I'm gluten-free. I wish I would have ventured out to see what they had. So, you know, definitely encouraging you not to only spend time in the conference, but actually see the space. Well, this
1: was amazing. Um, I, can you, Dr. V, can you talk about the resource that you shared with us? Cause I just been looking at it and I think it's a, a helpful resource. What was that resource from your colleague?
2: Yes, my really great, um, really great friend of mine her name is Dr. Katherine Cho. She has a website that you can go on and uh, we can put it in the show notes that you can go on as kind of like as a, as a faculty member or also as a grad student. Um, and it has it's kind of this up to date um, listing of conferences, of fellowship opportunities, when the conferences are going to be opening up their portals for submission. It's this labor of love that she she does, um, which is really, really phenomenal. But the whole point is just kind of getting out there. Yeah, I'll definitely put them in the show notes. Well, thank you.
1: And um, this was very helpful to me. Um, Shameless. Look, I'm so excited. Dr. K is going to be coming and gracing our campus. So excited to talk about... Branding mm-hmm. to our graduate student population. I'm excited to to welcome her to Cal to and um, in our area because I like this, some of this information, like it's really helpful to me, but I can only imagine, you know, some, some of these type of things and information. I know she's going to share probably something not like this, but I just wanted to say like this, this is the type of stuff that I feel like will help newer professionals. And so we hope that it helped you. Um, yeah. yeah please listen to this episode two or three times take notes because we gave a lot of information mm-hmm. um, I would also mm-hmm. say please go mm-hmm. back and listen to some of our other episodes where we talked about so many like just take some time and go back and listen and share it with a friend also please remember to rate and review um, highly rate give us good ratings <laughs> and review our <laughs> podcast you know because it really does help other people find us and and get access to this information that we have been sharing over the past four seasons
0: oh yeah so,
1: um dr k you want to give us the give us the yeah
0: just you know make sure you follow us on social media uh, Facebook and Twitter at Black Women Voices and Instagram, Black Women Voices Podcast. Once again, um, we're on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple. um, Give us ratings, leave us messages, comments, etc. We're just here to uplift uh, while uplifting ourselves as well um, because we're learning from one another just as much as you all may be learning from us. Um, And if you're interested in maybe you know getting on the show, we may put some, something out there to see if we can bring you on the show. Uh, but it has been a pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm signing out until next time. Peace and blessings.
1: Bye, y'all.